0: Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled, The Origin of Reason. You have to ask the question, who is this God that we've read about in Genesis 1-1, In the Beginning God? Well, the beauty of God's Word is found in the extreme but profound nature of its simplicity. And if you have a Bible, you have the opportunity to read and to study at your leisure. You can read and study the words God has desired for you to know. Now reading is good, it is fundamental, but study takes you a step further. And it takes study and considerations and meditations to understand the God that is speaking to you. And you, personally, have the opportunity to get to know the God who wrote this book that we're considering. It's the only book ever written that has the author willing to interpret the meaning for you in a personal manner. Providing that you've been born again by the Spirit of God, the only limit to knowing God is your personal desire. And you can ask the Lord to whet your desire, to know more, and to know Him. The Lord says, seek for me with all of your heart, and when you seek for me, He'll reveal Himself to you. Have you ever noticed this? The order of the day established in Genesis 1 is evening, then morning. The reason I find this interesting is that here in America, in Western thought, we look at it just the opposite. For us, the day begins with the morning and it ends in the evening. And actually, our clock begins at 12 a.m., midnight, and we have the option of calling this morning or midnight. We have the darkness followed by light, and closing with darkness again. The Eastern mind sees the day starting under darkness. And ending up in the light. The applications are spectacular. Now we can point these things out and call them neat little facts, but how does that apply? How can we understand more about the God that we're wanting to know? Life, apart from God, is not like this at all. It's beyond comprehension, and perhaps it's for this reason that men reject the Genesis account altogether. It cannot be explained and we cannot wrap our heads around it. Not completely, no we cannot. Also, in an effort to conciliate the rational part of the mind, some have suggested it is at this point that we find the application of Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19 and Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 to be, to be applicable. And I wanna give, give some quick background to this. The people that brought these ideas forth to, to compare these two and to try to make them applicable developing an idea because at at the time they were bringing these ideas into vogue science was being poured into America from Germany new ideas about theology were being developed and people were trying to reconcile science and biblical teaching and they wanted to reconcile the biblical teaching to science so that we did not seem out of step with understanding and intelligence we wanted to be Considered to be an intelligent people, so we didn't want to deny the so-called science. It would be my position that science has to reconcile with the Word of God, and not the Word of God to reconcile with science. God is supreme over all things, not science. God is supreme over science, and so we have things mixed, mixed up, and we're trying to fit in with the world. So people have created a new idea. And it goes like this, and it's not a new idea to some, but a lot of people are not even aware that this is being taught, but it is indeed being taught. Between in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, and the earth was without form and void, this idea comes forth. It's a concept. And it says, in accordance with Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, that Lucifer fell and was cast down to the earth at that time between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. Once he was here, he set about to destroy all God had created. And he did this in his anger and his hatred of God. The earth became an empty, black, formless void covered in darkness, gloom, and hopelessness. What began in perfection was ruined by the act of Satan himself. It seems that this has reason. It seems to be logical and palatable. And this may seem acceptable if you put Scripture in the proper spectrum. It gives an accountable and it gives an acceptable explanation of what otherwise is not only difficult to understand, but impossible to comprehend. We cannot fully comprehend nothing that there was a time when there was nothing. So, in the light provided to us by Scripture, it's not safe to assume these things to be true. Let's examine Scripture and compare it with reason and logic. Fundamentally, this thought is an assumption that finds absolutely no support in the passage. It also ignores one fundamental basic teaching of Scripture. And you need to understand this. Some argue that the destruction of God's original creation would suggest the vegetation and other life forms died under the devil's rage. This explanation explains why and how we discover the rare remains of dinosaurs covered under several layers of earth. This explains the fossils hidden in various strata of the earth's crust. However, this concept also allows others to explain why the evolutionary process fits into the idea of biblical creation, of biblical creation. And believe me, this idea about evolution and how it fits into scripture is an elaborate school of thought. And it's generally referred to under the title, or the ubric, of gap theory, or the ruin and reconstruction theory. It satisfies the intellectual difficulties that we run into when we're trying to understand God. But let me add this. We cannot understand God. We can understand his attributes. We can understand some of the things that he has done. But God is beyond our comprehension. If we can organize this information in a certain way that allows us to manage God intellectually, suddenly our minds can embrace the creation theory with a lesser degree of difficulty and also we can begin to manage God we can put him in our little theological box and have him explained but the caveat is found when we read one problem here the Lord God told Adam the day that he eats of the tree he will surely die death had not entered until Adam sinned. prior to this prior to Adam's sin death had not been introduced death comes because of sin And sin entered through Adam death came after Adam not before so when we open such a wide descending position to the general idea of creation all sorts of room has to be given which will allow various concepts which have no biblical merit at all now I will say that when these ideas are explained in detail it may take somebody it may make somebody seem highly imaginative and extremely intelligent, but this is not the issue. A man's intelligence is not the issue. We must always come back to the simple question, what does the Bible have to say about this? Now, as God explains things, a baby could walk in the explanations that are in, that are provided in Scripture, but a learned man can drown in them as well. The answer satisfied both. The best way to consider this particular passage in Genesis 1.1 and 1-2, the safest way to remain true to Scripture, to the Word of God, is to see what is written and hold to that. The earth was in the process of being created. It had yet to be populated. It had yet to be energized. And thus, it was still without form and void. We are invited to watch God as He creates the earth. There was no evil present, nor are we seeing the results of any evil activity indicated in this passage. We're looking at Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. We're being allowed to see God at work creating the earth, and we see this by invitation because God is allowing us to consider it. We're given a snapshot during the construction phase, and we're told the earth was without form and void. We're not told, nor can we safely assume, God meant to say the earth became without form and void. He does not say that. He says the earth was without form and void. God was creating the earth. And there was a point during creation that the earth was without form. It was uninhabited. There were no stars. There was no light. There were no planets. Before God moved, there was nothing but darkness. Deep darkness. And even that, we don't understand that. We're told in Isaiah 45 verse 7, the Lord created even the darkness. So before there was darkness, there was nothing. Explain that. Think of that. This is analogous to my house being constructed. There was a day and a time when nothing was here on this track of land. Nothing. Trees, grass, dirt. It was an empty lot on a long stretch of of highway. Then a contractor began working. And the house was under construction as it began. It was without form. There was nothing to be seen. And it seemed to be in a chaotic state of confusion. You had dirt piles here and sand piles over there and a stack of blocks on a pallet over on the side and a bunch of concrete sitting around. There was a backhoe digging a long hole. For a novice to the building trades, this would be something... He needed to learn and to understand. He might not understand at the beginning. One would be pushed to ask why this or that was happening. And it's hard for the mind to recognize that before God began creating literally, not figuratively, there was nothing. No light. No darkness. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Try to wrap your mind around that for just a moment. And then... We step into the beginning. God set about the work of creation, bringing something into being from absolutely nothing. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, and then things begin to happen when the Spirit of God began to move. Think of the applications that we're considering here. We start to see how God works. There's nothing. God begins to work. The Spirit of God has to go into action. Before anything happens, there's a movement on God's part. Think how that applies throughout all of our lives. Can we learn anything from the book of Genesis, from the the first two or three verses here? Yes, we can. We start to see the magnitude and the principles and the actions of God laid out. This is why we read, In the beginning God created. This is the point where we begin to gain our reason for believing the things that we do. And then what did God say here on the first day? Then God spoke. Now this is something we have to consider. Everything we see here is done because God spoke and things moved. There's an obedience to the word of God. The spirit of God was moving on the face of the deep. He was moving on the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness the darkness he created. And he separated the light and the darkness after he spoke the word. One of the things we're going to see through this whole passage is that things move when God speaks. And there's an obedience to God's word that is essential. When he speaks, things happen. So God has spoken to us in his written word. And as we begin to study and to understand what he has to say here, we start seeing the principles that are established that formed the earth and that established the foundations of the earth. God said, let there be light, day one. And there was light. And this is something we need to get a hold of as we move to understand the origins of reason. I want to thank you very much for joining us today, being with us in this study. Your participation is well appreciated, and I hope you receive something of benefit. Come back next week and be with us as we study again. The Origin of Reason.